Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I have a wonderful opportunity to learn about a uh, you know, really, really talented and award-winning actress whose work I am not familiar with at all because uh, she's on, you know, across the pond, if you will, and she works a lot uh, in Europe and in England and Ireland. Um, she's done obviously some stuff in the United States, but you know, she's one of those uh, people who I know are great but I haven't seen them in anything. So it's it's a wonderful opportunity for me and hopefully for you to discover somebody new that then you can actually go and uh, follow and watch some of the work that they've been in. Please welcome to the show, Antonia Campbell Hughes. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And thank you uh, for making the time. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I where are you right now kind of, uh, you know, around the world? Are you in England? Are you in Ireland at the moment? Where are you? No, I'm in Northern Ireland. Um, okay. Donegal specifically, yes. Yes, uh, um, I'll, I'll pretend like I've, I've heard of the uh, of the town that you've mentioned. Um, I have not uh, had a chance to been, uh, go to Ireland yet. I've been to England, I've been uh, kind of all over Europe, but I haven't gone to Ireland uh, quite yet. I want to visit, it's one of the places that's on my list. Um, and, you know, speaking of, of kind of places around the world, uh you grew up uh you know in in uh, and you've traveled uh, quite a bit and uh your childhood you know was spent around the world so for those people who are not familiar with you uh can you give us uh you know a few minutes just kind of your your little background and how you know uh, you got into acting uh but you know starting when you were a child i know you were born um i think you were born uh in uh in uk and then right no i was born in ireland, ireland so okay. no no i mean even for people here like who live locally it's confusing so when people ask where are you from it's complicated but yeah. um um no so i was born in northern ireland and i moved to switzerland when i was two and i was raised mostly in switzerland and germany um i went to international school so that's kind of like an expat type thing but in the yeah. midst of that uh, I lived in Wilmington, Delaware for three years, yep. so from age five till eight. So that's quite an odd kind of segue. Um, yeah. um, but then I went back to Switzerland. And um, yeah, so there was a thing. Um, I moved to Ireland for the first time when I was 16. And I was very uh, adamant that I wanted to prove my Irishness because I'd gone to these quite Americanized international schools, a very strong American accent, and there's quite a lot of um, uh, Americans of the wonderful American community who are very proud of their Irish heritage, but I have zero American in me. So um, yes, I'm, I'm intrin intrinsically an Irish citizen flag flyer, but my father was British, English, so um, I currently reside, well, at the moment, since this right. pandemic, um, I've been in the north of Ireland because I was filming here from November and my mother lives nearby, coincidentally. Um, yeah, so I feel very intrinsically Northern Irish, I think now, especially I've gotten to know the place uh, very well over the past like six months. Yeah, um, that's that's great. I, you know, I, I was born in Ukraine and, uh, you know, I, I spent the first 14 years there. I came to the United States. so. You know, by the time I came to the United States, shortly after Ukraine uh, became its own country, because before it was just, you know, a state. So when people ask me where I'm from, technically USSR, but that's a country that no longer exists. So yeah. I'm from Ukraine. When I came here, people uh, called me, you know, Russian. Then I became Ukrainian. So <clears throat> I view myself as an American. I've been here, you know, three times longer than I've been anywhere else. But yeah. it's it's one of those things that when they ask. Yeah, I had to think about it for a little while before. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I mean, I suppose it's probably a very large Ukrainian. Whereabouts are you specifically? Uh, where am I in uh, now? I'm in the uh, you know western or northwest suburbs of Chicago. Okay, and is mm. there a big Ukrainian community? I think so. I think uh, Ukrainian community uh, again. There's you know specifically ukrainian uh I'm, I'm sure there is a community i'm not a huge you know uh kind of part of uh, any of those uh you know expat communities uh, i know there is a pretty big russian community in the in chicago uh again you know in terms of the kind of the eastern european immigration you're thinking uh you know probably more new york 
more in LA and then Chicago would be uh, kind of the third you know cluster of that so yeah, yeah quite quite a big uh, community you know when I came here um, there was a kind of a real real sense that uh, I needed to Americanize and uh, you know instead of going to ESL uh, classes I for whatever reason kind of stuck with kids who were already in uh, you know regular English so you know everything kind of got fast-tracked for me and I had friends but a lot of my friends were either American or they were friends like me who came here you know as as kids and then kind of uh, Americanized themselves so I was never a part of the you know Russian community so to speak yeah but, sure there's uh, quite a big uh, number of people, not as large as Polish. You know, uh, Chicago has a yeah, huge yeah. Polish community. I think it's second outside of Warsaw. Um, really? Wow. How fascinating. Yep. So it's <laughs> that kind of the, the universal feel. But this is why, you know, uh, I grew up watching uh, French movies. Um, yeah. They When I was in Ukraine, there wasn't a lot of American movies uh, that were shown. Uh, they just started, you know, right before I left. I saw Back to the Future there and then i came here and i saw back to the future yeah. part there was that's a part so funny. Of transition but yeah, French that's exactly sort of that was my narrative because mm -hmm. um uh i was just speaking to somebody and they were asking did i grow up with cinema you know and i think i mean it's funny because like why did i why did i have such a, a why did i why was the 11 year old with such good taste you know mm -hmm. in terms of cinema and i think it's just because the big american films weren't um readily accessible you know, I was in Geneva in Switzerland, and so the only television or film I saw was on Canal Plus, which is, you know, they always show these wonderful films. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I watched, just because it was available. And, mm -hmm. um, and then I think when I moved to Germany, um, I think Terminator 2 had been out a few years, but I mm -hmm. saw it in the cinemas in German, delayed, and uh, the uh, I was desperate to see it in English, and then it came a few, a few years later in English, and I recorded the audio of it. <laughs> like that's how sparse on the ground um, mm -hmm. cinema was. But I think that makes I don't know if that sort of directed my tastes. Um, I know I was a big reader, and I was very into music and art quite mm -hmm. naturally, and so um, I never saw a wealth of. You know, there's a lot of uh, cinema that people are aware of that are maybe um, slightly in a more commercial arena from the 80s and 90s, and I just know not, none of it. I've, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, same way, I, I just, you know, catching up on uh, on it uh, over the years now that I'm here. But yeah, I, you know, my cinema was, uh, there was Indian films, right? So uh, Disco oh, yeah, Death yeah. was a large Indian kind of um uh, ability to watch Indian movies in Russia because they were, you know, kind of uh, very friendly with India. So we had Indian films, we had Russian films, obviously, and then we had um, uh, French cinema. So that's kind of what I grew up with. And I still, you know, still to this day, I go to Netflix and I watch uh, French uh, cinema with subtitles. So when I speak to, you know, French actors, I know, you know, I have kind of a background uh, in, in a lot of the cinematic experiences and they're, you know, they're Trying to figure out how that is. It's because, yeah, that's how I kind of grew up. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Appreciation for it, yeah. No, it's a great way to be. Yeah. Um, no, and I suppose, like, as well, I didn't really, like, in terms of how I got into acting, mm -hmm. I didn't really know that acting was a career, you know? Um, it's, yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I got, because I'd moved around so much and I was always, you know, inclined towards the arts. Um, I found myself, I was in bands and I, you know, I sang in bands and that sort of thing and was wayward. And um, then when it came to going to university, um, it was, you know, it was, uh, there was, it was non-negotiable that I had a very good third level education at a good university. So I went to an art school and mm -hmm. um, so I went to a Dublin art school called NCAD, which is National College of Art and Design. And they have like a, a sister partnership with Parsons. And I went to New York and I went to Parsons and I got into fashion. But it's, um, and then I started a fashion label quite young. I was 18 and I was based in Paris, but there wasn't really the fun. And I showed at Fashion Week and everything. And but there wasn't the capital to do like a, a defile, a catwalk show thing, you know, models. And so uh, there was a lot of collaborative effort. There was that sort of Agnes B did all these sort of, uh, 
collaborative hubs where there's art uh, artists and musicians and all this stuff and so for uh, each season there were things like we would collaborate with video format with other you know do kind of conceptual mm -hmm. film pieces and in that time i got bugged you know and it kind of happened incidentally and i then thought i went into fashion thinking that fashion was this three-dimensional three conceptual art form mm -hmm. and uh, learned quite quickly that it's actually a business and trade and commerce driven. And then when I started seeing um, actors or performers, I thought that was a very uninhibited, pure form of expression. Yeah. I then learned it's not. <laughs> it's also yeah. commerce-based, you know. Um, but yes, that's how I sort of got into it. And that's interesting. It's the it's the you keep on searching for purity. You keep on searching for that that form of expression, and you keep on uh, butting your head against uh, the reality of uh, the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same same thing here. Uh, <laughs> I, I had my bug, you know, early on. I was convinced that I was going to be an actor in Ukraine. Uh, oh. That was my that was my path. And then we immigrated, and my parents said, "No, you're not going to be an actor. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get a real job." So yeah, yeah. that took a whole you know, kind of uh, a roundabout way until, um, you know, my middle ages, if you will. And then I had to uh, say, nope, I'm, I'm going to do it to whatever extent I'm able to now as, you know, as a, as a you know, married uh, uh, with children uh, living in Chicago, which is a secondary market. So it's, yeah, it keeps on, it keeps on playing. And uh, I kept on hearing, no, this is, this is a business. It's, it's not about purity and not until I got on set and really started to understand what, you know, casting was about and how, you know, people are viewed. Uh, I started to really appreciate both sides of it. So you can still find purity within your performance if you're with the right director in the right project. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's why, um, you know, I was, asked uh, something similar earlier and mm -hmm. i do think you know there's there's uh, the film industry is so vast mm -hmm. and so divided and i really just think um i think the the most important thing is to if you're there are very different kinds of actors and they they should be appropriately pursuing where their fit is and i don't mean like demographic or anything i mean mm -hmm. just like what your personal tastes are you know I mean, I've come across through the years. I mean, I've been acting a long time and I always heard actors say, oh, well, you know, we're really um, it's about the material. It's about the, the script. It's the, the words on the page. And mm -hmm. I find that somewhat confusing because um, I know that I've been really uh, inspired and drawn to directors where there is no script, you know, mm -hmm. and you you go in with trust. And for me, that's always based on their references. Um, they can show me, they can tell me about the music they love. They can say they're inspired by uh, a certain political movement or, you know, whatever, a painting. Mm -hmm. And if they're if they're true enough about that, that's enough for me to go down the line with. And I think also the previous body of work. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody can turn a good script into a turkey of a film. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I... that's always been something for me, yeah. I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, given your background uh, in music uh, and, you know, I know that, uh, you know, early on, you know, going back to music, I don't know if people know that, you know, uh, in, in one of the interviews that I watched, I, I heard you say that you were in a punk band and you had a, a mohawk. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, envision that. That's that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> kind of yeah. Given given your, your musical background and given your background in fashion. I find it interesting that, you know, when you just mentioned that you want to hear from the director, you know, what they like and what they're about. And do things get filtered through your uh, your previous expressions of, you know, what is the what is the fashion and what are what is this particular character wearing and does it speak to me and what is the music that's associated with it? And then does that resonate? Do you use that uh, as a way to uh, to kind of decide or to get into character? No. Hmm. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, from in terms of my actual craft, I think I'm sort of, I've, um, when I first started acting, I actually got into it because I was street cast uh, as a 16 year old in a film and it was a little tiny thing. And so I had an agent from that and that was in Dublin. And um, I had no interest 
and went off and went and did something. Uh, yeah, I thought acting was for confident, pretty people. You know, it wasn't my thing. And then, um, but then when I did start acting, I was like, how do I do? I had no idea how to do this job that other people do. I don't have the confidence, and I I don't know how to do it. How how does one act? And so the only thing that I hooked on to was um, well, it has to be truth. It's that simple. So everything, there was no way in, there was no trick, there was no people, you know, I just thought learning lines, you sit down, you learn the lines, there's no simple way to do it. And then if you're, I felt that whatever role I was playing, whatever character, I feel what the character feels. And this is something I still wonder about because um, I know there's other actors who, if they have to be moved by something, they draw onto personal previous experience. I don't. I'm moved by what my the character I am is moved by. It's very simple. It's very truthful. And so I wear what they wear, and I listen to the music they listen to. It's it's very simple for me. But that's not for everyone. It's just it's just what I do. No, and I I actually think that in in a lot of ways, you know, the actors that go and study. Uh, they get um, a lot of information and they get, you know, confused uh, of so many different approaches and you have to use this or you have to use this. Or, and then it takes them a while to get back. And it's kind of a circular thing, right? You start out in one place and then you have all of this confusion and then you come back to being you and it's all about the truth. So uh, I'm happy that you didn't have to kind of make that go around to uh, come back to what it's really about, which is the truth. Uh, if the character is not believable, it doesn't matter. Everything else uh, is just uh, you know, waste. So, yeah. um, but going back to what you said of you uh, not pulling on your experiences, we'll, we'll come back into that because I am very happy to hear that you're not doing that. Uh, that's a very painful and uh, something that I don't think works really well anyway, uh, take after take after take. But uh, in terms of, um, you saying that you feel what the character is feeling so you know some people would call that method of you know you're kind of living in that uh, in that character for the duration of the uh, play is that how you would view it or uh, for you it's a different uh, way um i think i've always been curious about method because i always wondered was it um sort of a technique devised for people to, uh, um, I don't know, get away with certain behavior. Um, I would say I'm emotionally method rather than, you know, what, putting shoes and um, rocks in my shoes to have a funny limp. Like that's a lot of people are physically method um, and they'll do things like to be drunk, they go and get drunk. I don't feel that that's necessary at all, you know, and that seems to be just like a gallivanting in a, in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess emotionally method, yeah. And do you, uh, thank you for explaining that. And uh, yes, um, you know, from the emotional perspective, do you find that, you know, because you, that's you versus you, that's the character, do you find that it's easy for you to snap in and out of that uh, mode? Because some people, once they put that on and they are the character, it's hard for them to get out of there. Uh, I think I'm better at it now. I think I really treat every single project um, individually uh, as a new one. Every, you, I don't think you can just have a, a trick, as I said, that you pull out a hat. So I approach every single job in a different manner. Sometimes there's just, it's not necessary to be as in, invested. You know, I think you very much have to fit into the production you're a part of. So if I'm a supporting role, then I really respect the environment that I'm in um, and and that's why I think uh, I really see myself more as a filmmaker because I'm as fascinated by what the sparks and the, the gaffers are doing as mm. I think everyone has a very equal importance level and you I'm sure you know because that's quite a European cinema um, approach um, so yes I think very much uh, your work it should be in conducive to the environment that you're working in. Yeah. Um, what I was, you know, me personally, I was always kind of 
uh, afraid. You know, I'm an empath, so I, I already kind of uh, feel the energy of others, uh, you know, naturally. And for me to fully get into a character, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to snap out of it, or it would be difficult. You know, and especially if I'm playing a dramatic role uh, of you know taking on those emotions, taking on those uh, kind of experiences, and knowing you know where I am versus where that character is. So there was a very natural kind of, uh, in a way, uh, a defense mechanism for me not to go full uh, mm -hmm. there. Have you uh, have you found that to be the case, or for you it's an easier process? Um, it's interesting you say that because I've encountered actors who very much protect themselves, and I've thought about it a lot in the past five or six years. Because when I went in, when I started acting, I found I thought that that was Maybe that's why I worked, I suppose. I was an open book. I absolutely, I was so giving. And I think that's maybe because of um, the world I come from, possibly. But I thought, and I do think maybe it's important and healthy for actors to hold a piece of themselves, actually. Um, or to have such a solid, healthy life and foundation that right. you're you can go back to safety you can go home to a good solid arena you know you really know yourself intrinsically and mm -hmm. i think it's important to have a, a good firm hold on of your own essence mm -hmm. in order to be so open because you know that's why a lot of actors get dashed on the rocks <laughs> yeah I, mm. absolutely and it it over the last you know kind of number of years and specifically you know last six months I've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, self-analysis and, you know, who I am and what I view and what is it that I want to do in this uh, in this life and how, you know, how much of it uh, is acting and some of the other passions that I have going to be a part of it. And, you know, from the acting perspective, what I've realized and I keep coming back to is an approach that I think will allow me to do what I need to do as an actor but and be fully invested and grounded in it and then know what my center is. So my approach, and I don't have a name for it yet, I'm gonna you know, figure something out, but the approach is kind of an alternate reality version <clears throat> of, you know, depending on who the character is, I, I start with myself as the center, but then I make a different choice somewhere back in time. So, you know, if this character is somebody who is you know, much stronger than me uh, physically and much, you know, much harsher than me, then I make a tiny change in the environment, kind of have that butterfly effect going off. Well, in this time in my life, I took this turn. And because of that, I went here, here, and here, and here. And then you're still, I'm still me, but I am different. Like even just me saying that, and I just said that I'm stronger, I'm energetically, I'm feeling different. Um, and that allows me to know, okay, this is this tree. I am still this, I know who I am, and I can come back to it because I know what the reality is. But this allows me to feel and to react and be truthful, and I can use that you know, as the character. So that, I think, is becoming kind of the foundation of what I'm gonna be doing with, uh, with my acting. And uh, that allows me to snap in and out because it's me, just a different version of me in a alternate timeline. Yeah, wow, that's so fascinating. So just, but again, it, it kind of, I think it stemmed really from a defense mechanism and a protective uh, mm -hmm. way because, again, I come from a spirituality background and I come from, mm -hmm. you know, as a kid, I was hearing voices and it was freaking me out. Uh, and, um, you know, having mediumship experiences and having, you know, channeling experiences and other things, uh, not wanting to lose control and have another you know entity if you will kind of you know take uh take place so going full method going into that character and becoming them for me was you know danger zone <laughs> red, red area because of that because of not knowing so i think that kind of forced me to find something that you know should work for me while allowing me to still have that creative and emotional uh, capacity to do what I need to do as an actor. That's so fascinating. I mean, um, it's not, I mean, it sounds very wise because this is something that I think is, is so important because yeah. um, 
you know, I over the past number of years, a number of years that I've been writing and directing more, um, I have always been fascinated by people who act and direct in the same project, you know, because to me they're such a different, um, it's such a different energy. I think as an actor, you are completely open, you're you're kind of the recipient, you know, you have to be completely open and malleable. As a director, it's all here in the head and you're thinking about this much more dominant force. And um, yeah, and, and acting seems much more bodily. Um, but I have always been very fascinated by craft because I look at all these fantastic actors and craft is their thing that they've been trained and they can do such a, a myriad of of excellent performances and they're chameleonic. Um, yeah. And I I looked at what I was doing and there was a lot of um a lot of my characters the roles I was playing there were big lead performances but they're still quite watchful and quite and very truthful but they're more um observe there were characters who were observing a world around them and things were happening too and so I wanted to do wanted to start taking on roles that were slightly more um loud if you will you know performed and mm. craft seems something very excellent in a way to progress like I'm quite you know um, I'm I like a challenge and um that's mm. why Cordelia the film that is coming out it seemed much more sort of craft oriented it's more externalized yeah um and then you know you had a hand in writing that uh, that film as well so does that um first of all I'm I'm right about that correct well it was written initially by the director Adrian Shergold and I worked with him on a period TV series, um, and he I met him on that, and he came to me then afterwards and said I he wrote this film, um, and initially it was written for Sally Hawkins, who he's very close with, and ten years passed, and um, so that's why Sally is an exec on it, and um, and I knew Sally a bit too, and. Um, but because time had passed and the world changes in 10 years, he said he knew that I had always been writing and developing things with Screen Ireland. He said, would I be interested if I was to play the role in sort of infusing my own voice? Because on the page, it was written by a man and there was that feeling of it. And also, he's very inspired by um, a, a certain, you know, his generation, 70s cinema. Yeah. And so that he wanted to marry my what I was inspired by what I would you know I've been doing lots of European cinema so he wanted that sort of female um, European cinema infusion on the page as well so I did a pass on it so it is very much a marriage of two generations and genders so uh, thank you for that uh, <clears throat> explanation from you know being the actor and uh, having part in the writing did you find that that uh, afforded you more freedom as an actress or did you find another voice of a writer in your head as you were kind of performing says no that's not quite how I you know meant for it to come out no I mean when we started the first day on set mm -hmm. it was very very evident my role at that point was actress at all. Um, I mean it was very clear like I, everything else was left behind and that was the only way to proceed yeah. So then going back to what you're saying of, you know, doing uh, more projects and being an actor and a director on the same project. Um, mm. Have you had a chance to do that yet? I know you're you're doing more of your own work now. Uh, have you been in those uh, spots where you have to do both? No, um, I've never. Uh, writing is different because it's like writing seems past tense. But directing yeah. is very active. Um, mm. I start my first feature in three weeks. I do have a role in it. Yeah, it's been strange times, challenging times to say the least. Um, yeah. I do have a small role in it, which I um, battled with. Yeah, initially because I didn't want to be in it, but um, it's very small, contained. She's only in three scenes. They're very, quite they're quite specific in tone. They're very much um, like little deliveries. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a very intelligent choice uh, because you're kind of doing doing both and having a large uh, large part, you know, could prove to be very difficult. 
um, you know, as an actor, I know myself that, you know, whatever choices that I'm making, I don't know what it uh, comes across on, on, um, on the screen. And I need the, the help of the director who sees uh, what it's, uh, what's actually going on, sees whether it's truthful or not, or how it resonates. I remember doing one role, which was incredibly freeing, and I loved every moment of it because it allowed me to be completely different for myself. I was playing, it was a comedic uh, thing, and I was playing somebody who's a drug addict, sex addict, uh, motivational uh, speaker, and an ED spokesperson, mm -hmm. uh, like all, you know, concoction of all these things that I just said, okay, that's great. That's not me at all. So I can just yeah. go big. I can go big. I can have fun. It was awesome. But what I saw is that I thought I was going huge. I thought I was, you know, in, in a way filling the room with, with my energy and it was a pretty large room. But when I saw it on tape, you know, I thought I was four times uh, bigger than I, I, you know, I am normally. I needed to be eight times bigger for it to really translate <clears throat> just visually. So what I felt as an actor and what the director sees uh, through the lens are different things. So if you have the you know big role, uh, regardless of how nuanced that role is, and you are the director, that could that could be very difficult. I'm glad you made the choice of having a small role while being the director. Yeah, indeed. No, um, I because it's been so chaotic, and it's in, now from this point onwards, it's incredibly busy. Um, I keep forgetting that I also have to do that. Um, I kept, uh, yeah, thinking, should I just cast someone else so I can take the weight off my shoulders? But... Uh, what I found with, you know, some actors like Ozark, uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, doing really well here is, mm -hmm. um, um, his name escapes me at the moment, I don't know why, but... Bateman. Uh, Yes, yeah, Jason Bateman. So from what I understand, you know, because obviously as a part of it, he didn't direct every episode. He directed yeah. a few episodes. In the beginning, he directed a few episodes at the end. So <clears throat> he he was kind of able to uh, to do both, but to separate things in a way where, you know, he was more of an actor in most of it as opposed to being the yeah. director. <laughs> no, I mean, he seems um, extraordinarily talented human yeah. being. I mean, his writing is ex extraordinary, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, from his perspective, I think his craft. He always liked being the character who's the observer, who is the you know the audience uh, kind of member uh, in the room. So that's that's been his uh, his approach. So maybe that approach also lends well to being the director who is observing uh, you know what's happening. So maybe that's an easier meld rather than having a director and then a completely different kind of character that you're acting. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, at one point I thought maybe, um, I'm like, how do I separate? So that maybe I should wear a wig so that it's like completely ah. so isolated, but there's no time to worry about things. <laughs> I was trying that, to think about how to really differentiate the energy. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then how do you, again, once, once, you, once you act, right, once you're in that scene, how do you know if you need another take? And, you know, do you need somebody... Uh, that really is kind of a co-director that's directing you while you're in actress mode. Now, mm -hmm. can I help you with that? I don't know if, uh, if you've set that up yet. Well, I mean, normally you just watch playback, you know, wouldn't you? Um, mm -hmm. Like, I don't really like to watch playback. I'm always, I find, I've worked with actors who mm -hmm. always look at the monitor afterwards, and I find that bizarre. Like, it's sometimes I think for blocking, if you need to, like, if you yeah. need to cheat a movement or something, then it, it makes sense. But um, the vanity aspect I find quite unusual. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, uh, yeah. and I, I find it more more confusing because then I'm focused instead of on my performance, I'm focused on you know my nose looks way too big in this particular shot, <laughs> and it's 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 not it's not something that I enjoy. So. I'd rather try to do it, and if it feels right, I'm good. And you know, whatever it looks yeah. like, is different. No, no, I mean, even this is painful. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly. It's dreadful. This world of Zoom. Oh my God, I know this isn't Zoom, but um. <laughs> well, this is worse because it's it's this is high HD as opposed to Zoom, which is 720. Right, right. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, it's funny. Um, in lockdown, I don't know if you use the same words in America, but. Uh, in I did a Zoom 
TV show, like a show thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we filmed in April and May. And um, it's with some, Mer so it was like Brian Cox, tennis actor, um, and like Clay Spang and some wonderful actors. But, and we had to use a program similar to this so they could record it on quite high quality. Mm -hmm. But everything was done via Zoom. So costume fittings were via Zoom with the whole team and producers. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the difficulty was, it is as though um, each actor is performing in, it's like a, a therapy session type thing. There's like a multiple mm -hmm. therapy session. And, um, and some people do therapy sessions online. And so it was like that. But as an actor, you had to deliver to camera and also see your own image the whole time, which was hell on earth. But, I mean, it was very draining, actually, I found. And everyone had the same um, experience, all the actors. It's actually quite exhausting. I, I, I understand perfectly. I, a lot of the you know, recordings right now and a lot of the casting calls right now uh, are done via uh, you know, this mechanism. So um, looking you know, straight to camera, because some casting directors want you to look straight to camera, some want you know, a little off, and you're still doing kind of the, the crafty things you need to do. But the inability for me as, you know, I get used to it as an interviewer now doing this for you know, close to four months, but there is a part of me that still hates this process because I want to look into your eyes. I want to, uh, you know, to see exactly what's happening as opposed to having you in the periphery. And mm -hmm. same thing, it's happening with, uh, with the Zoom, uh, you know, casting calls. I can't look into the eyes of somebody because if I am, then my eyes are not going to be seen by the casting director. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just it's a it's a really awkward uh, thing and you know i'm hopeful uh, obviously this is the last thing that people are worried about in this uh, pandemic but you know i want to get back to uh, to having uh, in person uh, kind of uh, auditions where you can actually you know be with the reader and uh, and you know be in that energy that's that's really what i'm looking for yeah no precisely i mean um when i was doing the zoom show there was all kinds of things about notes of where to position our eye lines and we were just learning i mean i heard about zoom when i was asked to do this tv show i was mm -hmm. like what is zoom um and now it's all we talk about but um it was because in the some of the scenes there'd be um they wanted it to seem like a zoom format so there were like the boxes pop up in the meeting mode or whatever and it was about six of us and then about 14 producers that were all silent. Um, but we all kept asking where we should be directing eye lines. Because mm -hmm. if you have six people on the Zoom call, which it wasn't the show, um, they're talking to each other, but you kind of have to know who each person's talking to. So we're endlessly having, <clears throat> excuse me, to cheat eye lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. And technically, yeah. it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And again, <laughs> It, it kind of takes you out of the moment, right? Because instead of focusing on being, you know, in the character and the scene, you're focusing on the, you know, the function uh, aspects of it. And, you know, where is my uh, eye line? You know, yeah. where, kind of you you have that split part of the brain that's always observing. And if I'm doing the right thing, which takes you out of what you should be doing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but I suppose, um, I mean, I thought like so many of us uh, yeah. or of them or of actors right. act, to tennis balls and green marks and all that kind of thing these yeah. days. So what difference? That's true. <laughs> That's true. Unfortunately, uh, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. I, you know, uh, the conversation that I had yesterday with a wonderful uh, actor uh, from Breaking Bad, if you're familiar, uh, Charles Baker. Now, um, and uh, Charles was saying that, you know, one of the things that uh, helped a lot of other actors uh, with CGI work is uh, mime work and uh, studying as a mime. And he did that and, uh, yeah. uh, because that's, you know, the ability to kind of uh, just be present and bring emotion, uh, you know, out of uh, out of your body uh, mm -hmm. with nothing around and kind of create the world around you. So he was uh, he was saying that a lot of the European, you know, British actors who have the ability to kind of uh, study that and to bring that now they have in, in in essence a leg up on the american actors where miming is not something that's being taught or has been taught for a long time really wow wow yeah no i've heard of actors who've done mime classes no it's mm. really interesting um yeah. and you know for physical performance i suppose as well yeah 
So it's interesting. I I haven't had a chance. I think I I only did one thing that had uh, kind of CGI, um, and I had you know one instance where you know the camera is right here, and you're mm -hmm. talking to the camera. It's an extreme close up, and you're supposed to see the other person in there. There is no other person in there. You're just talking to the camera, so you're creating that you know environment. So uh, all of those things are draining, and I, I think what people don't realize is just how emotionally psychologically and physically draining acting is uh and it's not just the long hours on set it's the acting itself that's so draining no absolutely i couldn't agree more <laughs> i mean at times like it is it's funny because um in a sense it's such a luxury you know i mean actors are pampered very much so um but yes no it's, i find uh i find the um i it 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 requires a certain personality type, a certain energy type. Like some people, um, I think probably a lot of actors are introverts and therefore it is draining for them. And some mm -hmm. people who are naturally extroverts, it's not in any way draining whatsoever. Yeah. Um, human proximity can be draining, <laughs> you know, but to be observed is draining. Mm -hmm. um, but those are often the most interesting actors. Yeah, um, I see, especially if they let you into that world. I, I agree, absolutely. Um, so you, I know that you started out kind of, uh, you know, initially in the, in British comedy, and you were a comedian, but you wanted to do more drama. Now, you know, not to compare, uh, you know, experiences at all, but I get cast mostly as dramatic, and I want to do more comedic because really, how interesting. Yeah. Um, I like drama. It just, you know, comedy is more is more me. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm a funny, goofy uh, kind of guy. I I see myself more on that uh, on that kind of you know uh, net sitcom uh, as as the you know goofy uncle uh, that's yeah. that's me uh, yeah. and I get to ask yeah I get asked to play these heavy heavy roles so not that I don't enjoy them but you know it's there's a balance so yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I see you in you know and obviously you've been awarded for a lot of the dramatic work that you do. Uh, having done comedy, do you ever feel like you want to come back and do a little bit more comedy to uh, to add to it? Yes. Okay, <laughs> simple. Yes, simple. Um, because it just by coincidence, I mean, it's just circumstance that I, the first job I got was a comedy series. So mm. I've been living in Dublin. Um, uh, I decided I want to leave fashion altogether and I had to really very much start over like I went to London um, I think age 22 and um, and I knew nothing about the world and I did I had an agent from a headshot like a casting director had thought it was quite interesting and she asked me did I have a headshot and I said what is a headshot yeah. um, <laughs> like that green I knew nothing about the world um, I was too busy screaming in punk bands so um and so I provided her with a photograph and she sent it to some casting directors in London and they were interested in me I suppose because I was different you know I had very short black hair and whatever and actresses at that time they all couldn't there, there wasn't there was a sort of uniformity I suppose and um it was a time when street casting was becoming more uh there was more of a, an an opening to that uh so um but the first audition i think i had i got and it was this comedy series and uh i couldn't do an english accent i sounded quite american and so i had to do an accent test and um then and i'd never seen any british comedy i had no background of it i didn't know i was not interested that much in comedy but um i guess that's kind of fit it was very um very deadpan it's they said it was like the British version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So is that kind of like flat yeah. deliberate? And, yeah. um, and I was playing like a sulky teenager, so there you go. Um, but at the time I felt very unchallenged. I thought it was like, I found it very family oriented. The audience was quite wide and families liked it. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to do things that, you know, I could stretch my limbs and exercise my demons and um, go to the dark furrows of my, uh, mm -hmm of my brain um but comedy is a really wonderful world it's very it's very loyal it's very exciting it's very collaborative uh, and that's when i started writing because 
I kept being offered comedy jobs then, and I worked with wonderful people. I did a show with Jennifer Saunders. We worked with really great people. And I saw um, careers that I would love to have where people worked, kept collab collaborating with the same people over and over through their lives, where careers went on until their 80s. Um, people wore many creative hats. They'd be writers, directors, actors, everything. and. Um, that was very interesting to me, but I really did want to make the films that I grew up uh, enjoying. And so in order to do that, I had to stop doing comedy altogether. It was not very welcome to do both. So it became such that I suppose maybe it's just that um, I was only seen for comedy uh, projects. And so I stopped altogether and then I started doing kind of weird little independent film. Um, but yeah, now, I mean, I do, I'm writing a comedy thing at the moment with um, my writing partner who's a comedic actress. Yeah. So. That's great. Um, I think it's important to have that balance, right? You can have, it's it's like having too much rain. You know, rain can be pretty and wonderful, but at some point you want some sunshine. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, and you mentioned accents. It's interesting that, uh, uh, and you know Michael Caine uh, in in uh, one of his books, uh, he talks about accents, and he said if you have a chance of uh, working where you don't have to do an accent, don't, because doing an accent takes <clears throat> you know 25, 30 percent of your brain during yeah. the performance, and it makes your performance worse just because you have to focus on uh, doing it. I found that to be true personally. I love doing accents. You know, in, in, in life in general, I've always done accents and I love it as a normal part of who I am. But when I had to do roles, uh, there is a part of me that's specific. Oh, you just mispronounced that word. That's not how it's supposed to be uh, done. Mm -hmm. And it takes away. Have you found that to be true or uh, what has been your experience? Um, I've rarely used my own accent. Okay. Only when I have. Maybe once or twice. Mm -hmm. But rarely do, and I don't like to, because I find with my accent, because my first accent as a child was very British, then it became very American, and then in my late teens, I really wanted to have an Irish accent, so I worked very hard to adopt it. Yep. Um, and now I have this sort of changing thing, yep. but it's inconsistent. So when my own accent is used, like every single time a director says to me, oh, use your own accent, so interesting. Like you don't want to do that because it doesn't cut. So I will, you know, if the, if the top and tails of scenes, if they interlink in direct continuity, my accent will sound more British in the, you know, the top of the scene and then become more American later. It just sort of meanders. Um, <laughs> so I much prefer, and also, for me, maybe that is the one area where I am a little conventionally method, mm -hmm. is that I like to have an accent, a voice for my characters. I think it changes you a lot. For me, it does anyway. I know that, um, yeah, I'm, I feel very different in different accents. Yeah. Uh, that, that part, I, I agree with completely. For me, it's uh, the way that the person speaks, you know, the accent or any, you know, dialect of the person influences who they are, you know, what yeah. they're wearing, what they feel like, what the energy of the person kind of feels like. All of these things for me, uh, you know, I love when I'm reading something, you know, some, uh, I immediately kind of, that person feels like they're a Southerner or that person feels like they're from Boston or that person feels like a New Yorker, you know, it's, it's that thing. And then I have to, usually you know put that away because the director doesn't have that same idea but you know that's the way that i interpret uh, when i'm reading anything yeah yeah um when you were saying earlier about michael kane i mean i was about to said heard that but actually i'm in such awe and very admiring of actors who perform in different uh languages and that's something that i've always wanted to do um so i was on a french film once speaking English, alas, but I was very pushing to speak French. Um, but it was it was one of the, it was a film. I mean, um, John C. Riley was in it, uh, speaking English, obviously. And then there was mainly French cast and some Pakistani actors and Indians, Indian actors. 
speaking Pakistani. So it was very much a multicultural, multilingual film um, uh, by a wonderful director called Tom Abidigan, who writes with um, Jacques Audiard all the time. So yeah. that he wrote Rust and Bone and these wonderful films. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> he, um, the, someone from, I think the makeup artist was talking to me about Matthias Stronauts and he, you know, he acts in many different languages and she said exactly what you just said about accents but she mm -hmm. said his excellence as an actor diminishes by percentage every with each language with each language he speaks so mm -hmm. i think his first language is flemish isn't it i think he's flemish so he's the most um he's at his highest excellence as an actor in his mother tongue which i mm -hmm. believe to be flemish and then when he speaks french it's like slightly down one grade it's like a filter and then mm -hmm. in English, it's down a further grade. But of course, we would know him mostly for his English performance, English language performance, and he blows everyone else out of the park. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, everything is relative, of course. Um, well, I'm, you know, na uh, Russian is the native language, so I've I've done some roles uh, in Russian, um, and I think because again, I've been uh, I've been living here for so long. English yeah. is really the primary language. And when I left, you know, the wealth of the Russian language was as a 14-year-old, somebody who was, you know, fairly well-read and educated, but it was at that level. So now, you know, there is the part of me that tries to figure out whether, uh, again, the accent that I'm doing as a... Uh, uh, well, okay, there are two different things, right? So when you're speaking purely in Russian, uh, sometimes my American accent comes through, and yeah, I have yeah. to be very, very particular yeah. Yeah, about that. And then you know the types of uh, the types of words and making sure that I don't mispronounce anything. So that that mm -hmm. there is a part of my brain that's involved there. And anytime that I'm doing English speaking roles where I have to be a Russian speaking person, so you have the Russian accent, uh, then everybody has their own opinions of what a Russian accent sounds like. And you just have to kind of pick one and hopefully the director agrees with where you're going and go there. So there's always that thing in the back of my mind that doesn't allow me to just let go and relax. So what I found that works, the only thing that kind of works is that if I'm going to be doing anything that's, uh, that's specifically in Russian, then I try to kind of uh, just snap in and speak mostly Russian and listen to Russian you know, uh, you know, radio, uh, you know, watch Russian uh, films and get that kind of, um, uh, get that saturated through my body. Um, you know, so that's, that's what I found that works well. And then I, you know, get out of that when I'm done. God, I mean, it's, don't you find these complexities actually, I mean, that's so enjoyable. Yes. You, know, you can find all these details and nuance, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I did a film once, um, playing an um, Austrian girl who is a real person. And um, when I initially screen tested, I screen tested in German, in the German language. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was cast to do the film in German, <laughs> which was quite, I mean, it was going to be incredibly daunting and such an undertaking because I'm not fluent in German. I, as a child, I spoke German in Germany, but mm -hmm. um, it was by no means my first language. and so there was, it was it's going to be such an undertaking because, you know, how do you get that um, instinctive nuance to, to performing? And then they decided last, and also I was being trained to have an Austrian accent, you know, so it's not just, so there's so much influx, uh, in, infusion of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then they changed last minute to, to doing the film in English. But yeah, I mean, I, I find that I really enjoy accents, always. Um, same. Uh, I even the casting directors. I've had a lot of casting directors on the show, and I asked them uh, about doing things in accents, and they said <clears throat> casting directors usually don't agree on anything. Uh, but I think from what I've gathered that they have some agreement on in terms of accents is that if you're doing an accent, it better be perfect, because uh, if 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 it's not perfect, they're going to focus on that, and they're going to not focus on your performance. So uh, that's that's what I've learned from them in terms of just doing casting because I inevitably want to do something with an accent uh, when I'm you know when I'm reading for a part. So it's 
some are completely against it. Some actually, what I found interesting is that you know if you're walking in as the character, which is you know whole debatable aspect of what you need to whether you should be doing that or not. But if you're working in as the character and the character has an accent, um, you know you have to uh, do that. And then if it's proper, then they'll be surprised that this is not your native, and they'll be even more impressed when you after the audition switch into your you know, a regular way of speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're coming in, and let's say you have to do a British accent, if you're coming in as the American, uh, and then you, for the audition, switch into British, uh, it's going to be a lot harder for them to make that translation that your British actually is real. So, like, if you're doing accents, you probably should start with the accent and then snap out of it, as opposed to come in and then get into it. So, I'm just and, uh, yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one about going in in character. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan, personally. Neither am I. Yeah. <laughs> um, because what again, you know, the the impression that you're making, right? Is if I'm reading for these dramatic parts, um, you know, people want to hire you because they know that you're going to be a good person on set and somebody that they actually will enjoy spending time with, and you're not going to be a psycho, you know, uh, a moron. And if if I'm playing somebody. Uh, with a, a very dark past, if I'm playing somebody who's about to murder somebody, and I walk in with that energy, that's the energy that I'm that I'm portraying. And mm -hmm. you know, you can snap out of that, and uh, you can be you and smile after it. But that's what they're going to remember. So they may love uh, your performance, but there's the, <laughs> there's going to be a part of that that says, "Is that you know, is this is what he really like? You know, which part of him is the reality?" And yeah. you know. I, I, I'm always worried about doing that and walking in as that person, if that person happens to be somebody who's much, much darker and uh, more evil than you know I am. Completely. And I also think it means that you're, you can't really take direction because you've got a preset idea of what your interpretation of the character is. Sorry, I just said the same thing twice, but you know, it, just, it means that you're not, being, you're not open and malleable to receive if, because you, you know, you go in in character, then you have decided what this person is, and so it's, then you have to undo it. So mm -hmm. I quite like less solid preparation, you know, because like at the moment, I have actors who are preparing for my film, and it's all interesting, you know, to look at it from the other side. Yep. And um, I don't like, I don't really want much rehearsal time, and I don't want them to be too. Um, pre-prepared and set in their decisions of how they're going to do things because I think it will all happen on set. You, yeah, it would be much better to happen on set. Yeah, with uh, it's and I don't know how it is again um, kind of in, in Europe and uh, how the casting is down there. Here it also depends on where you are physically. So from what I understand uh, in LA they want you to come in as a character. Um, it, when you're coming into a room in New York, you should come in as yourself and then you know step into the character. So it really kind of depends regionally of where you are. In Chicago, I think it's more of you know come in as yourself, unless again you're you're doing this. So right, it's it's the type of roles that you're reading for. If you're reading yep. for a star uh, and you're a cop and you have you know a few lines of telling somebody that you know that's where they went. Uh, they want you to come in really as the person they're going to see right away because yeah. um, there is this notion that a lot of the casting, because they're so busy, they they start to get more mechanical and lack imagination. Uh, mm -hmm. So they want to see you as that person and, okay, good. Yeah, I, I buy him as a cop, move on. Uh, yeah. As opposed to, yeah. hey, you're a good guy. Oh, no, okay, you're somebody else. Too many things for them to process and uh, sometimes you don't get it. So you just you know, play the uh, play the profession uh, for these smaller roles and get out. So it's wow. there's so much of that going on where actors are you know uh, driving themselves crazy, and sometimes mm -hmm. it's better to just go in, you know, make a choice, have fun, go, and that's that's hopefully it. Gosh, goodness me! I mean, I can understand how that's practical, but yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> it's not exactly the world I want to um, live in, I suppose. You know, but. It's a business. I mean, that's the difference when we're we're talking about, you know, the, it's such a vast world, the entertainment industry. There's so many different pockets of it. It's about finding the one that's suitable for you. Do you know? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've never really done that sort of conveyor belt casting to for filler roles in big TV series. There's nothing wrong with it, and I actually wouldn't mind it, but I've just never really experienced it. Yeah. So, what's next for you? I know you're you're starting to do more of your own stuff. Is this where you want? I know you've mentioned comedy. So, you know, what's next steps for Antonio? Um. Well, so I'm very much focused on getting this film done. Good. Um. It's quite a huge thing. It's been three years in development and process. Okay. Um. I see. I have a lot of films coming out actually. So Cordelia yeah. coming out. Obviously. Um. I shot a film. In uh, December, January in Belfast, called Black Medicine, mm -hmm. um, which is it's got a big um, it's on the lead in it, and um, it was pitched to me initially when I was asked to do the role as um, you were never really here as a female shot in Belfast, which so I immediately said yes, yeah. that works for me completely. You know, Lynn Ramsey, I'm a huge fan of, and um, but that was really enjoyable because uh, it's 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 quite a you know it was a new it was a new type of character they haven't played it was older more mature she's um uh an anesthetist in a surgical anesthetist and but so there's a like a black under a black market underworld where people yeah. are doing kind of backstreet surgeries and selling organs and um, so we still have more pickups to do on that after lockdown. Um, so that is coming out. Um, a couple of other things. There's the Zoom show is being pitched to go to series. So that mm. uh, is well, I'm not allowed to say actually, so <laughs> I won't make the mistake of saying it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty busy. Sounds like it, and uh, hopefully, I, I don't know how are things uh, in terms of uh, in in Europe of uh, of filming. Is it has it started again? Is it? Yeah. Uh, no. There's okay. quite a lot shooting, as far as I know. It's very cautious. Um, yeah. Things were announced at different times. So there was uh, the government allowed people to shoot. First of all, things were opened up. But mm -hmm. then the constraints are so enormous. It was about how to actually make it functional. Mm -hmm. um, so on my production, um, it's contained. It's in a very remote area. So I'm filming in. Ireland in a very kind of isolated remote place. Um, it'll be like pod yeah. environment, so no one leaves. Um, crew and cast, cast who are coming in from England have to quarantine two weeks and be tested. Um, but I think it's harder for the bigger productions. You know, like there's a, a huge film called The Northman in Belfast, which is like it's Robert Eggers, and that's gone back into production. And that's very monitored and controlled, and everyone's quarantining and uh, isolating and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I just think every production is somewhat different, and it's it's difficult. Yeah, no. we'll see, yeah. and hopefully there won't be any massive outbreaks that shut shut the industry down again. I, I hope not, because um, it's just starting to come back a little bit. You know, New York has started shooting, LA has started shooting. You know, very you know, smaller uh, kind of uh, cautious uh, things. I know yeah. Canada started shooting yes. here in Chicago. I think we're we're about to start. So keep your yeah. The only massive change is travel. I mean, so what was so great about um, uh, the UK was that you know these kind of European co-productions were becoming the norm. So there right. were so many like I know in Ireland specifically, there's a uh, Ireland has a, a Belgian Luxembourg co-production, which is very common. I mean, all that will be less or non-existent, I suppose. So you well, can bring in European actors into into London, but only your leads, your core cast. So all of that sort of yeah. uh, European sensibility, I think, will go for the for the foreseeable. But as long as Hopefully we're not for a long time. So. Um... Yeah. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed there. Um, last question for you. If you had a chance uh, uh, from your vantage point right now, if you had a chance to go uh, kind of back in time and give one piece of advice to you who just you know got the British uh, sitcom and give one piece of acting advice, what would that be? 
Um, probably what we were discussing earlier, which was um, don't give a hundred percent. No, but I mean it is. But it's like keep retain your course self. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's um, especially I think it's interesting. But what you said about uh, having that ability to shut to stop, put it aside, and at, at the end of each day. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to, yeah, to, to keep a percentage of yourself for yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, I think all of us are working are, are working on that. So we'll see if my you know new method uh, works, and if it does, yeah. then I'll I'll be telling people about it. Hopefully, it'll work for them as well. Um, right. Thank you, Antonia. It's it's uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I really appreciate uh, you jumping on and sharing your experiences. I know they're valuable to me i'm hoping that they're valuable to our audience as well likewise thank you it's my pleasure and thanks to everybody for tuning in into another episode of uh, the love of acting we know you love it as much as we do and that's why we do this for you thank you